Podcast. We are the Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I am your host, Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hello! Thank you for joining us again today for another conversation about some of our favourite films. Give us a follow on Twitter at Kinotomic or send us an email at kinotomic at gmail.com. So, how you been, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all pretty... We're in, we're in survival mode, but light at the end of the tunnel, I think, is the right way of putting it. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. We're, we're almost there. Spring's almost in here. End of lockdown is, is within our sights. So, yeah. 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 Looking I forward mean... to some, some cinema moments. I miss the cinema. I miss going to the cinema. i I got to say, like, I'm... I've I've just I I I'm probably just gonna watch the first thing that comes out, and if it's Tom and Jerry or um, <laughs> you know or even I'll, I will even pay money to go see Zack Snyder's Justice League in the cinema just to be in the cinema again. Yeah, and that and I that know. thing and that thing is gonna be four hours long. Um, yeah. Oh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> It's out. I think it's out next week. So um, either next recording or the recording after, you can ask me my opinions on it, and I will probably go on like a three-hour rant about how bad it where, is. Hang on, where where is it out next week? I think um, I think because it's HBO Max in the US. Um, oh. I think it will be like Sky or something over here. Um, mm. So like yeah, I'll probably just do the renting thing where I'll rent you know rent it for like a couple of quid or something, or however much it is. Um, so then... so when you said you might watch Zack Snyder for our Justice League, you already had it in your list to watch it. Yeah, it wasn't but... like it wasn't like torture me by making me go to the cinema and watch this. You already it would, it would planned be to watch the, it. It would be in the cinema because it would be a case of I would have already seen it. And oh. it would be the first thing out that I could see, so I would go and see it again just to be in the cinema. Um, yes, fair enough. I, I would I, love I, to see um, the um, the new announced, newly announced um, Celine Scamma film. Yeah, I, I saw the premise called. for that, and that looks it it, and the reviews have been really good. I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I I think you know. I think we're getting to. You know, it's it's starting to look, things are starting to look a bit up. You know, in terms of everything, one can only hope. One can only mm. hope, but um, yeah, I mean, like you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the cinema and stuff. Um, but like, what's happened is uh, Disney uh, Disney Plus. I think I might have said this last week, but Disney Plus have added like all the Fox stuff on, or loads of Fox stuff onto Disney Plus now, under Star. Yes, yes. So what's so what's happened is is um I've just basically been binge watching american dad um for like two weeks now two and a half weeks um because like i used to watch it quite a lot um and i you know it's a, it's a show i can kind of watch and stuff so like in terms of like films and things like i haven't really watched much since we last recorded um i think i i watched um the mark jenkin british film called bait uh which came out i still haven't seen that um, I, I want I, to because it's on BFI player, isn't it? It is, yes. Yes, so I need to. I need to get around to 
saying that, but I haven't had a chance because I'm in the process of um, writing my final master thesis, so and doing a lot of research on that front. Well, if, uh, what films have you been watching? So, I have been doing, like I said, a lot of research on my thesis, which is going to be about uh, a certain Swedish actress called Greta Garbo. I don't know if you've heard of her. Nope. No, you've not. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> Might I remind you that we started the season two with with a film by this Swedish actress oh yeah you might have to revisit our podcast mm. um so i've been watching some of her silent films because i had not seen them before and i found them actually on amazon prime so you've got the temptress and uh flesh and the devil which i've seen recently and i was going to watch um i think it was last night or the night before i was going to watch the joyless street which was a different sort of it was not a studio film because Flesh and the Devil and the Temptress were both made in 1926 and they were made at MGM, whereas The Joyless Street was made the previous year and it was made in, in Europe. So basically my dissertation will be about comparing the European films that she made with, with the American ones. So I need to find Joyless Street. Um, the version that is available on Amazon Prime is only an hour long and I've read that there is a version that's like almost two hours long so i need to go to some do some research online see if i can find that particular copy yeah yeah some archival research needs to be needs to happen yeah maybe contact the cinema museum or bfi but yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. Lots of delving into the world of silent cinema. Yeah, I mean, like, apart from apart from Bait, um, I I decided I I realized I had, it's been a while since I saw um, Blade, the Wesley Snipes film, and Blade Two, the sequel. Because um, I was like, you know how you like you you're just having one of, you're just having a day when you just want to watch something that's a bit like mindless but enjoyable mindlessness and you know um, what i do when i when i get that what well i probably re revisit downton abbey because it's a soap opera with incredible costumes so it's a lot of you know yeah it's very soap opera-ish if you've not seen it but it, it's got incredible costumes and the story kind of gets you in and sort of grabs you in as well Speaking of yes. incredible costumes, um, I obviously I've been watching uh, WandaVision. Um, oh yes, Disney you Plus, told me, and it is utterly brilliant. Uh, it finished really well, I thought. Um, it did do the whole standard Marvel thing, but um, I think Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn just killed it. Um, in I their like roles. I like them. I think they're very good actors. Yeah, um, it is. It is really, really good. Um, I honestly, I really recommend it. Um, and uh, yeah, like seeing Scarlet Witch, the character, properly on screen with the costume and everything, just made me very Did happy. Did she have like a fifties costume? Because I've seen some some stills. I think. Yeah. So, so what happened? What is it set in the fifties? Yeah. So basically, what happens is that each episode takes place has a different sitcom style. So like 50s is like the Dick Van Dyke show or I Love Lucy. 
60s it's kind of like bewitched um the 70s and 80s is kind of like the brady bunch then they did like a 90s one which is more like malcolm in the middle and then there was a 2000s one which is a lot lot like uh, modern family um hmm. and then yeah each one kind of takes place in its own sitcom style you find out why that's the case um within the realms of this marvel thing um and then you know you you know jimmy woo is is in it um uh i can't remember the bloody actor no please jimmy woo um but um uh, Catherine Hahn is is kind of like the nosy neighbor type. Um, she's always and, a nosy neighbor type, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, but she's 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 amazing. If you want to see Paul Bettany she... do the whole Dick Van Dyke thing, it's really really cool. Um, you know, he does he does he does that very well. And in, and in the '90s episode, he you know he does act a bit like um, Brian Cranston in in Malcolm in the Middle. Um, mm. So yeah, no, it is a it is. I think it's one of the best things Marvel has done. And um, I, you know, it's as a Marvel fanboy like I am, I, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. So I, I, re- I recommend it. I really do. Oh. I really do. So it's a strong recommendation. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it, really. Um, just uh, just cool. a lot of cartoons. That's very impressive. Like the live action cartoon we're going to be discussing today. Yes. Should we make a start? I think we should. Excellent. So um, we, I think this episode is more or less dedicated to something that I, I just felt like it had to be on the podcast when I found out that Nick hadn't seen this particular film. Yeah. Not necessarily that it's my favorite film. Um, I thought that it was something that you, it was kind of like, it goes over the territory because it's it's within your remit, so to speak. It's your yep. your bread and butter. So let's start with 1989's Tango and Cash. And I've got a quick synopsis. Framed by their ruthless arch nemesis, a mismatched LAPD crime-fighting duo has to put its differences aside to even, to even the score with the evil kingpin who put them behind bars once and for all so what did you think of tango and cash right so before i give my i mean it technically i'm giving my thoughts on tango and cash but i'm not specifically going to start talking about tango and cash i'm going to start by talking bringing up the fast and furious spin-off film hobbs and shaw right don't worry it, it it's going to circle back around trust me it's going to circle back around right so in that film you got luke hobbs um, played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Deckard Shaw, played by Jason Statham. Um, they, you know, they don't like each other. They have similar skill sets, and they have to team up to take on a foe that you know has outsmarted them for the rest of the film, right? As well as the aforementioned, you know, the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Jason Statham. You also got Idris Elba as a cyber genetically enhanced terrorist. It's directed by John Wick director David Leach. And it it it's it sounds like a match made in heaven, right? Uh, for for you know just for me, like you know the the trailers and all the marketing kind of promised all the cliches of the eighties blockbusters and the buddy cop movies, but done with the you know the efficiency of of current um, Hollywood. But the film for me doesn't work. The action in it is kind of exaggerated but hollow. Um, they both play the same 
person basically they're both the tough guy they're both trying to be the tough guy in in the same they're both the same kind of character and the only time when i laughed because you know they they do try this whole trading barbs thing but you're talking about the rock film sorry you're talking about film with the with the rock and jason statham yeah yeah the hobson shaw yeah um, so yeah, I'm, talk- I'm talking about this here. Yeah. So in that, you know, in that film, they, you know, they both play the tough guy. You know, they both play the same sort of person. And the only time where I laughed, you know, they they do try to trade barbs, but the only time when I laughed is when uh, Ryan Reynolds is on and it showed up and he, he did his usual thing and it was quite funny. Now with Tango and Cash, it made me think that they honestly don't make them like they used to. <laughs> um, the plot is pretty nonsensical. The action is quite <laughs> over the top. It's quite ridiculous and pretty cheesy. I th- Stallone and Russell, the, you know, they trade the humorous barbs and they wisecrack their way through the mission, right? I enjoyed the film a lot. And I think a lot of the heavy lifting is done by the sheer power of Stallone and Russell being on screen together. Yeah. And, you know, as aforementioned on this podcast before, I'm a big fan of Kurt Russell. And I think he does quite. I think he does dust enough here, not to quite go into Jack Burton territory. Um, you know, like where Jack Burton, you know, is is the psychic in his own movie, but in here, like his character is is like, you know, his his Gabriel Cash is is like, kind of, he has that Kurt Russell charm to him, but there's a toughness behind it. There's an actual reason he's he's justified. Whereas in Jack Burton's case, you know, it's not justified for the rim being the way he is. Um, <laughs> and then you got like uh, Sylvester Stallone, you know, doing his thing. But you know, he he, he looks weird in a suit and glasses. But <laughs> I um, think that's the joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it, it, that is the joke that it does play it to the joke. You know, like he does look weird in a suit, and he. I but I do think he kind of plays off the straight man quite well. Mm. So, like I said, you know, I did enjoy the film quite a bit, and it really highlights the issues with some of the modern blockbusters like Hobson Shaw, right? So, with this kind of film to work, there has to be some kind of anchor, and The Rock and the State and Statham just don't have that together. Stallone and Russell really keep Tango and Cash going. You know, they keep the silliness of the action and the set pieces you know, kind of, they, they don't feel like padded extras. Yes, okay, they are ridiculous. That that um, teched-out SUV thing with the minigun on the side was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, the, the, prison, the prison escape sequence was pretty ridiculous. But it just... Did you believe the jaw on that guy? Yeah, it was, it was insane. It was, it was properly insane. I mean, like, I... Uh, that's, that's like... <laughs> a cartoon is insane yeah I, I don't know what's what was up with that but like you know like it, it it just felt it felt natural it felt i don't know it felt right for it to be yeah like this um and i whereas in you know in hobson shaw you know the action in that didn't do anything to kind of serve the film other than just to be there for the sake of being there um you know so i I really do think that, you know, they don't make them like they used to. And when this film started off, I was like, this is the most 80s film of 80s films I've seen for a long time. 
And that's a good thing, right? It is a good thing. And what's also quite funny is that I found out that this was one of the last films to be released in that decade. Um, yeah. Um, so it's kind of serves up the whole of the 80s in this two hour thing, you know, 80s action films, you know, in this in this two hour thing. I mean, it does have it does have its flaws. Um, <laughs> like, Abs- yeah. And I can, I can talk about them in, in a minute, but yeah, you go ahead. It, it has got its force. Like, Brian James, who is in fucking everything, um, you know, it, I mean, if you do, right, so Brian James, you know, he was in, he was in uh, Blade Runner, um, he was in yes. uh, Fifth Element, The Player, 48 Hours, you know, I, I said, you know, the other week I was yeah. watching Lot Hill films, he was in freaking Red Heat as well, um, and I was <laughs> like, what the fuck isn't this guy in? Um, and he does this- All of the 80s. Yeah, and he does this awful English accent. Um, really <laughs> most cartoonishly awful English accent. Um, I, th- you know, I was, I saw James Hong, you know, and I was like, oh my shit, it's James Hong, and he, he just, he's not even in the film. Like he's in the film, but he's not, he's not doing anything. The villain is, <laughs> is, is, is a nothingness character. Um, and I honestly think Terry Hatcher, whilst utterly stunning, was really underutilized um, in yeah. the film. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of hers, but I just felt like yeah, she she wasn't just doing anything, just yeah, sitting there yeah, looking she, pre- looking pretty. Yeah, for 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 an actually a really good sex joke between her and Kurt Russell, and and the mis mis misunderstood moment uh, in the flat, which is quite funny, <laughs> um, but. You know, it, like I said, it does it does have its problems. It's not it's not a perfect film. It's not a great film. It's not like, but it's a very it's a very very good enjoyable watch. Um, yes. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like Hobbs and Shaw. To go back to that, you know, it it is it is it is a very it's a it's a fine it's an okay modern blockbuster, but it doesn't do its premise any good. In the whole buddy cop thing, this film Tango and Cash totally nails what you would expect from a buddy cop film. You know, like I said, you know, I watched watching watching uh, Forty Eight Hours with you know Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, the whole kind of dual thing. You got Lethal Weapon with with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Um, you know, uh, Long Kiss Good Long Kiss Good Night, yeah, Long Kiss Good Night with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Gina Davis. Like the oh my god, kind I of... love that movie. And then you know when we you know the other month we had Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, Val Kilmer and, and Robert Downey Jr. And I'm hoping, you know, in a minute when we'll talk about the nice guys, but like, you know, they, they they kind of perfectly encapsulate what makes a buddy cop film works. And Tango Cash is a perfect example of that. And Hobson Shaw just did not did not work, did not do it well because I it it, it was made with the wrong in, it it was made it's kinda of weird for me to say this because it was made like two years, like a year or so after Nice Guys, but like it's kind of made with a different kind of set of criteria and it's like they don't make them like they used to and i think tango and cash is is a perfect example of that so yeah good i, um, good. I was yeah uh, i'm glad that you enjoyed it um i like yeah like you said it wasn't it wasn't a film that i've chosen because it's a great film because i admire its craftsmanship um it's just it's just a bit of silliness um and i really enjoyed the banter between the two and i think 
both um, Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell were at the top of their game here, and it, it kind of shows that they were just they took the film and they just had fun with it. And um, yeah, they there were a few changes in the in the crew during filming, so the film was marred by quite a few problems and going over budget, uh, because there were uh, the first director Andrei Konchalovsky was fired by the producer John Peters, and then the producer kind of pinned the over the. the production going going over budget on him and then he basically there were lots of arguments and then the director of photography got fired by Stallone who was actually acting like sort of uncredited producer writer and director apparently um because I tried to find out um more about Stallone writing this but it was it wasn't he wasn't actually credited anywhere with with writing the film but the the directors and and the crew members were basically said that he had it not been for Stallone um the producers would have just destroyed the film because basically Stallone was the one who held the film together um so yeah and uh i don't know if you noticed the beginning of the film has a sort of a similarity with another film that we had on the podcast. So the scene where Tango faces an oncoming un- un- truck with nothing but a gun was borrowed from Police Story. Huh. Which, yeah, uh, it was kind of a nod to Jackie Chan. And oh. as a response, Jackie Chan would reference the, the zipline prison escape moment in a film called uh, the, the third installment of Police Story series, Supercop. I've got to say, when the two guys fell out the window, I did immediately think uh, a police police story. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I, honestly, I'm not even kidding. When they fell out the thing, I was like, oh, it's just like police story. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, Patrick Swayze was originally cast as Cash, but he dropped out to star in, guess what movie? Roadhouse. Same year. Yeah, Roadhouse. <laughs> um, and... Kurt Russell was supposed to star in Bird on a Wire uh, alongside his life partner, Goldie Horn, but he had to drop off because he was doing this film. And the role was recast with Mel Gibson. And I still haven't seen Bird on a Wire. I've seen oh, some why? bits of it. Um, oh, why? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's quite an enjoyable buddy action flick. Lots of cliches and quite a lot of like cliched one-liners but i think they still i don't know if they might have not aged very well but they're still laughable i think they're still quite funny um so yeah apparently when um brian james was originally hired to play uh, requin it was a very small role with just two lines and he was trying to figure out a way to make his character bigger and he gave um, it that horrible Cockney accent. And then Sylvester Stallone loved it. And then he basically rewrote the story to give him a bigger role. Of course, Stallone loved it. That's just, yeah. <laughs> it is, it that's is, what, it is I found terrible. that information and that's what made me think that Stallone had a bit of a say in, in the running of the show because the, most of the pe- people who got fired, because there was, um, let me see. So... 
John Peters fired Konchalovsky and he was replaced but with Albert Magnoli, who filmed all the chase and fight scenes in the ending. And then... I think the director of production was also fired, but I'm trying to find out uh, who... Yeah, so Sylvester Stallone um, fired the original director of photography, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, and then Barry, you said Barry Sonnenfeld? Yes. That's Coen yeah, Brothers, Barry Sonnenfeld. He worked with the Coen yeah, Brothers. Yeah, he had on, him um, fired. On uh, uh, Blood Simple and, and uh, Miller's Crossing. Yes, yes, that is correct. Yes, he fired him for some unspecified reason, and then he got him replaced with Donald E. Thorne, oh. who had shot Stallone's movie Lock Up. This is from Wikipedia, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, Stallone, uh, Stallone at the time. I mean, his his star, his star power. I mean, you know, he also he also did a bit of directing. I think he did. Um, yes. He did yes. do Rock. He did do Rocky Four. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think did he do Rambo Three? I can't remember if he did. One other. Did you um, get the Rambo? No, he joke? did do Rambo Three. I did see the Rambo joke. That was quite funny. <laughs> Um, it is really honestly, it's that. really, in- it's really interesting. Like, if you think about it, like, because this film came after Rambo Part Three, like, it's really yeah. interesting looking at how Stallone looks in in Tango and Cash with the suit yeah. on and stuff. Because like, did you Rambo's... know that those were his real glasses? Really, they're not props because he usually wears contact lenses in the films. But ah. they, um, he's uh, nearsighted in one eye, but he basically just kept kept his glasses on for for this film. Well, it's just like because you know Ra- Rambo, the character John Rambo in you know especially in the third one is is it's just a it's just a, a character of a, what a muscled action hero looks like you know it, you know it became an ongoing joke between an ongoing thing between him and Arnie about who could kind of look the most ridiculous um, yeah. in terms of, like the bulging muscles and stuff and you know like and seeing like Rambo in a suit you know it, we do get a glimpse of the the muscles and stuff you know when he's in the prison and. And what have you, but he he does he does kind of seem to kind of tone it down. Um, you know, we see Kurt Russell topless than we more than we see more than we see uh, Sylvester Stallone. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that was quite quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so apparently, I found a bit of information about why Barry Sonnenfeld was fired. I think that was the problem with the way he was lighting it, the 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 shots. And maybe he was being too artistic for Stallone. God knows. <laughs> I mean, it is Barry Sonnenfeld. He he directed, you know, the Adams, the two Adams family films, and and uh, and the first Men in Black. Uh, we don't talk about the other Men in Black films, but you know, they have a very very distinctive style. Um, yeah. You, know, you think about Blood Simple and, and Miller's Crossing. I think he also did Raising Arizona as well. Like they have a very very specific look. Um, and True. I can't imagine that working with with a film like Tango and Cash. Yeah, no, I think I think one of the reasons that people got fired left, right, and center was that, from what I've gathered, was that Stallone had a vision in his mind, and he just needed people to, to sort of comply to that. Yeah. And the vision was just to make a silly film, really, because that's what you know he wanted. And I think, like you said, based on the performances of of the two main actors, you just managed to do just that to just you know have a bit of fun. Yeah, they, um, they and not uh, they and not make a serious off. film because I don't think that was the point. Yeah, they they did they did pull it off. 
um they did pull it off yeah uh, i think yeah. i think they did I, I quite like the chemistry between them i think i've seen this film about three times and it was the first time i saw it it was a very very enjoyable experience uh, enjoyable surprise because i was you know as you know i'm not a big fan of 80s cop buddy movies at all uh, I don't think I could sit through Lethal Weapon. I, I can't even remember um, finishing Lethal Weapon because I was just bored. <laughs> but this, I really, I'm sorry, but I, I was. I mean, the first, uh, whereas the first Lethal this Weapon was just really is, enjoyable. The first Lethal Weapon film, you know, is is written by Shane Black, and it is it is quite dark. Um, like it's, it's it deals I, with like Mel Gibson does some proper serious acting in it. And then, like the second one, it you know it it falls into a bit more you know kind of a silliness buddy cop thing. And then in the third one, they they bring in Joe Pesci just to kind of you know even add a bit. I more I do comedic, remember comedic yeah. Joe Pesci, shall I add? Yeah, because he could be quite scary. Yeah, <laughs> he could be quite scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do remember that there was a lot of like talk of of, of you know suicide and that sort of thing in in the first Lethal Weapon. But I just got I didn't I didn't feel as invested because you know like you said it was probably too dark or not dark enough or teetering between too dark and too comical I don't know yeah but um, speaking of Shane Black uh, unless you've got anything more to add on Tango and Cash no it was that was kind of it I mean it, it might it, it probably will be one of those films that oh you know I might you know I might rewatch you know every now and then or something you know. Um, just to be like, oh, I kind of need something on in the background. I kind of need something enjoyable to watch. So you know, I might put it on or something. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm quite happy to have to have seen it. Finally, seen it. Cool. Yes. Very good. But yeah, speaking of Shane Black, um, we move on to our second Shane Black film of the podcast. Um, probably the last Shane Black film directed film we're gonna do because um. You know, Iron Man three. You know, we're not going to do that. And we've, I mean, we've both seen it. And I really don't want to talk about the Predator because that makes me sad. Um, I've seen the Predator. The, 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 Why does the, it make you sad? The 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 most recent one. Oh no no. Uh, so there was a yeah, it was a recent film called The Predator, um, which oh. came out in twenty eighteen. And mm. yeah, it's what I mean. You can't you can't remember it. That came out, but it was like. Um, it was directed by Shane Black, but it was also written and directed written by Shane Black and a guy called Fred Decker, who I mentioned, probably mentioned on the podcast before, um, who wrote um, and directed a couple of films in the eighties called uh, Night of the Crips and The Monster Squad, which are f- utterly fantastic films. Um, and it was finally a chance for them to kind of do what they did in the eighties, but with a Predator film, you know, in modern day, and it just got fucking butchered <laughs> by Fox. Anyway, it feels like this podcast is mostly an opportunity for you, like this episode especially, for you to just flex your muscles in terms of like buddy cop movies. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what, you, what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah okay. carry on. Yeah, yeah, no, no, just yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like you know, last last week or the week before, you you know, David Lee and Greta Garbo, and you know, the serious, you know, the the really classical stuff, and, okay, and there's me, fine. and there's me talking uh, yeah. about coked up fred decker and and shane black coming together um to make a make a predator film and it not working uh yeah because fox surprise surprise anyway Mm. 
The Nice Guys from 2016, written and directed by Shane Black, starring Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, among many others. Um, a brief synopsis. In 1970s Los Angeles, a mismatched pair of private eyes investigate a missing girl and the mysterious death of a porn star. Um, so, Danny, what, what did you think of The Nice Guys? Yeah. Does Shane Black know to make movies outside of LA? Like, ever? No? Shane, Shane Black? <laughs> um, kidding. Yeah, no, like he does. The, the, his pet project is like, okay, we're going to set it in Los Angeles and we're going to film it this way. And Christmas um, has to be in it, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it was just a bit like a deja vu when, you know, from, from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang slightly. But I did enjoy it. Um, I found it quite silly. Not as funny or as charming as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, unfortunately, but still uh, very good and enjoyable. I I have to say I'm not a, the biggest fan of either Russell, Kurt Russell, Russell Crowe. Sorry, I always miss, I mean, we've had Kurt Russell, now we've got Russell Crowe. <laughs> I am a big fan of Kurt Russell, not a big fan of Russell Crowe. Neither of um, Ryan Gosling's, I'm afraid. Don't I, I'm not I'm not buying him. I don't know. Um, I did enjoy the um, the performance of the the little girl played Holly. I thought she was very good. Anthony Rice. Thank you. Yeah. She was very good. Um, I yeah I wanted to see more of her. Um, what can I say? The sort of cinematography and pacing and direction felt quite familiar. As I said, uh, it felt like a rejig of Kiss Bang Bang without Robert Downey Jr. or Val Kilmer, but kind of like same vein. Um, it did feel a bit like the Echo sort of warrior thing was kind of jammed in there and didn't have much to do with the rest of the film. I, I kind of, as someone who, as you know, takes the climate issues quite seriously, I just felt it felt a bit like an afterthought. It didn't feel, it was kind of half-cooked. Half um, so I kind of, I would have wanted to see more development in, on that front. But I think there were so many elements in, in the story that demanded your attention that it was just a bit too difficult to sort of, do justice to all, I suppose. Um, but yeah, there were lots of uh, ridiculous action scenes that were very silly and they always had a very silly, funny ending. Um, I really enjoyed seeing the bad guy, the, the hit man. I, th I think he would, I, he, I wish he had more screen time. He was very chilling. And... Matt, Bo Matt Boma. Yes, he was yeah. just like, oh my god, he was very good looking but very scary, and you're like, oh my god, what? You don't even know what he's going to do next. And that's I, I kind of wanted him to not be, you know, beaten up by Russell Crowe so easily. I kind of wanted a bit more, you know, work because he was he felt invincible. So to to be beaten up so easily, I just felt. Bit of a cop out. Um, so yeah, I wish I wish he had more screen time, and it felt like he was a proper villain. So was Kim Basinger. Wow, my God. Um, yeah, I, I I kind of expected her to be like the older fan fatale of the story, but I felt like she deserved again more than just three scenes. 
She was so gorgeous, though. I was like, oh my god, how can you be so gorgeous? Um, yeah, it was a fun film. Uh, I tried, I spent the whole film trying to place the girl, to sort of figure out who was the actress playing Amelia. Um, so when I, when the movie ended, I had to look it up. And she's the one who played um, Anne Rankin in Fosse Verdon. Yes, she did. And, um, which, like you said, it was an exquisite miniseries. And I, I think I gobbled it up in, in, in a week. And we might have to do a Fosse special, as I still have not seen Cabaret. So, yeah. <gasps> write, that, write that down. <laughs> oh I know. God. Yes. Um, final things for me. I like the cinematography, like I said. I like the disco music. Um, lots of glitter, as it should have been. It had, it had a really good feel of the 70s. Although, some of the songs weren't very well chosen, and I was like... This is, this can't be right. So I I did look I did look up some of the goofs, and there were quite a few big ones. Um, if you want, I mean, the film takes place in 1977, so I think if you want to have the 77 vibe, make sure you don't have music that was released later than 1977. I know this could have been easily remedied with just a bit of research. Boy, I and... hope somebody was fired for that blunder. I do hope that I do hope so. I mean, come on, it, this film was released in twenty sixteen. It was, you know, it wasn't like nineteen nineties where you didn't have Google. Yeah, but like, I mean, are you, but I mean, there's, there's an idiot. There's, there's like, I'm trying to think of the film. Um, oh my god, there was a film that I saw. Um, that a freaking. That was it, Marie Antoinette. Like, I mean, it, it, are you gonna like? Yeah, but say... that had a purpose, apparently. Don't get me started on Marie Antoinette. Oh, <laughs> I know the converse, but that okay. had a bit, bit of a purpose to yeah. it, according to some, someone. So, Sophia Coppola. Yeah, suppose. Hang, hang on, hang on. Do you not like Marie Antoinette the film? No. Oh I thought it was a very God. boring film. Oh, wow. And I love period dramas, okay? I love uh, historical movies, as you well know. But I thought that was a complete waste of time. Do you not like anything by Sofia Coppola uh, at all? Not really. Oh, wow. I was very, very disappointed by The Beguiled, which I went to the cinema to watch it when it came out because it had a cast that looked very, very good. And I did not enjoy that film. I enjoyed Lost in Translation, but I think that's kind of the only film that I really liked of hers. So I've seen, I haven't seen Beguiled or her most recent one with uh, Bill Murray and. Um, oh my god. Oh no, I've not seen Christina the recent Jones. one. Um, but I have seen, I've seen The Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, Marie Antoinette, and The Bling Ring, and I've. I yeah I I love Sofia Coppola's work. Um, okay. I really do. Okay. Sorry. That's, no, that's, I that's tried. Fine. I actually want. Uh, and then because I've seen the beguile that the, I've seen the newest version twenty what's twenty six yeah. six seventeen, um, with Nicole Kidman, and it was a remake from a, a previous film from the 70s and as a curiosity I went and I watched the other one and it just felt a bit more compelling 
Um, and what I because re- I read a bit about The Beguiled and what Sofia Coppola went and did with the film and the direction it took. And she basically removed a lot of characters that were in the original story just because she wanted to f- simplify the story and focus more on 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 the characters that she had. But it didn't I didn't feel like it gave those characters much more depth either. Okay. Um, it just dragged it all on for no particular reason. And yeah. I might actually watch the big oil between now and, and the next episode just to have an opinion on it and come back to it. Um, okay. Because I'd be interested to kind of think. Yeah. But anyway, anyway we're, we're a bit of a tangent for Sophie. Yeah, Coppola, sorry. But... Just just to, yeah, it was a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> but just to conclude, um, I think the music could have been better chosen. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that music is very important in a movie and they could have had some really good songs released pre-77. I mean, come on. Rumours was released that year. They could have had a few songs off that. They could have. They had one Kiss song, but they could have had more. I think. Anyway, that's me done. Okay. All right. No, that's all right. Um. So it 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 sounds like you you know you enjoyed it, but I did. You know, I did enjoy it. Um. Yeah. I did laugh out loud quite a few times. Um. I I really enjoyed the chemistry between the the two main characters. Russell Crowe really beefed up didn't he not yeah, in a good way no he put on a bit of weight for it yeah um yeah and apparently he wasn't able to get it back down it just seems to just snowball um but yeah i i enjoyed it um it wasn't kiss kiss bang bang and i think having seen that first the the the, the charm of it i don't know if they were ever able to recreate it anyway so it would have been very difficult to sort of recreate that and i I might be doing a disservice to compare the two but it's hard not to when they're very similar yeah they are quite similar um yeah no i mean i i like this film a lot i really really do i i don't know if i prefer it i think they're very very similar films i think I, i like them both equally um and but this is probably the I think this is the one I've rewatched the most though. Um Really? Yeah. You know, the the I think this was like my fourth viewing or something. Um uh, I, I would I would pick Kisses by Mang any time. Um I think the, the the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe is is utterly excellent. And I, I I I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling and that um I can't. I like the way. I. I just. I think he's. He's very, very good um, at what he does, and I think what Nice Guys does very well is that it. It. It doesn't. It's a different role for him. You don't see Ryan Gosling really, usually playing this kind of role. I really enjoyed his screams. Yeah, he screams quite so a few funny. times like a little girl, and I just liked it. <laughs> it's he, like, yeah, you go, Ryan. When he breaks his arm, it's just it's the funniest thing. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that was that. That was really um, funny. And I, I think like they, I, like I think Russell Crowe does the, you know, the he's not he is the, quite the straight man, but he does have like, um, he does have like these numbing looks at Gosling whenever he says certain stuff, like when the cop pulls him over for something and got and you know and, and he says something, and the run Gosling just turns around and says, "Oh, you know who else was fought just following orders? Hitler." And the look that Russell Crowe just gives him, it just, yeah. it just kills me. It's like, seriously? Just listen to yourself. <laughs> um, 
you know, it, and uh, yeah, I, I do, I do agree. I do think, you know, it, you know, it, it, you know, that kind of magic between Kilman and Danny Jr. can't be replicated, but I think Crow and Gosling do, do a very fine job. And, and I, you know, uh, 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 otherwise, um, so I hear there's a cameo of Robert Downey Jr. in this film. Is there? You don't know? I don't know that. Hang on, I'm not going to look this up because I've seen this film four times. I can I'll tell put... you. Oh, yeah. Or on, you man. can look it up. Go on, Apparently, he plays the dead. He plays a dead man by the tree. He plays Sid Shack. Oh shit! <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Okay. Um. All right. That's that's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it now, but I just felt like anyway. Continue. Um, so yeah, the film the film went through kind of several different versions before we kind of get into this point uh, when it was released. Um, you know, there was a two thousand and one draft that had it was a contemporary setting, uh, same characters but it had a totally different plot. Um, and then that was kind of reworked into a pilot script for CBS for for, for TV, um, but that was kind of turned down due to its subject matter. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't allow that much swearing and kind mm. of, you know, sub, that kind of thing in, in, a, in, a, in a TV pilot. Um, the film had a, a $50 million, pound, uh, $50 million budget. Um, um, Which is not a film... lot, right? Sorry? Which is not a great deal of money. It's not a lot. The film, yeah, so it didn't, it, 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 that's how much it cost, um, which you've just said is not a lot of money. Um, the film made worldwide $62 million, um, which is an, a, a financial failure on all fronts. Um, yeah. You know, on a, on a I mean, it did from... just make the money back. Yeah, but then you've got to take in, it. It's like for a film to be successful, it's got to make twice its money back or something, you know? And yeah. this, this didn't even do that. Um, and, you know, from a commercial perspective, the, the, the film will, will not get a sequel, um, which is really quite sad because i would like to see this story continue um and to kind of put into a bit of comparison here kiss kiss bang bang was made for 15.7 million dollars uh from a 15 million dollar budget and if you remember me talking about how that film in 2005 you know nobody saw it it was all that um you know she, so she, and, and the film that shane black directed between those two films in 2013 was iron man 3 uh, if you got, a, can you guess how much money that made in the box office? Two hundred fifty million. One point two billion dollars. Jesus. And is currently the twelfth highest grossing film of all time. Iron Man three. Iron Man three. Okay. Um, it made that amount hmm. of money worldwide. Insane. What? Okay. Did it make more money than the first two? Yes, it did. I think it's like apart from the first I think apart from the Avengers films it is the most it is the one that's Why? It wasn't that great. I like It was okay. I like Iron Man 3 a lot. Is that the one with the Mandarin? Yeah, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was good. Um but yeah, no, it you know, it made one point two billion dollars worldwide, you know, which is it's it's insane money compared to the two other films he's made um the film did open kind of like a couple of weeks after captain america civil war i think um it also opened opposite neighbors 2 which 
arguably kind of took away some of the demographic that should have gone to see the film you know that kind of older demographic um but i again i think it might be in the case of the film being a bit mis mismanaged in terms of in terms of marketing um so it's, it's, it's quite disappointing because I, I think everybody kind of kills it i mean russell crowe and Ryan gosling like i said already already pretty pretty excellent andrew rice i mean she was 15 at the time and this was her third film Oh, she um, was brilliant. She was utterly brilliant. Um, you know, she did that very, very good job of acting like a kid, but being able to play against the material. Um, mm. And compared to, you know, another kid that shows up in the in the film, you've got that kid on the bike um, that shows up oh. and, you know, says, oh, you know, you want to see my big dick, which is quite funny. Was... You know, that that's quite funny. But the way he kind of, I was listening to how he was delivering those lines and they just sounded really clunky. Annoying. Yeah. Yeah, very clunky. Uh, whereas, like Andrew, it Rice did not was... make you want to see his dick. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was it was it was very, it was quite funny. But like yeah. compared to Andrew Rice, who was quite natural with it, um, and her, you know, the way she played off of Russell Crowe, I thought was was very 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 good. Um, in particular, um, you know, which, could you beat up my friend Janet? <laughs> how much you got thirty dollars um yeah uh you know matt bomer like you said was was really quite scary um in his in his limited screen time margaret qualley um you know you already mentioned she was in fossey verdant she was also in once upon time in hollywood um which i've not seen oh you've not seen that okay um and uh, she was also in the thing that I re- I know her from is from like this five ten minute uh, advert she did for uh, Kenzo, which was directed by Spike Jones, where she dances around like a hotel, almost like um, Christopher Walken does in that Weapon of Choice video, um, oh. also directed by Spike Jones. But it's it's pretty. It's I'll, I'll send video. you I'll send you the link. It's really really cool seeing yeah, her move. The greatest videos of all time. Um, yeah, so you've got Kim Basinger also, and then Keith David um, is literally just credited as older guy. Um, <laughs> that moment where Ryan Gosling falls off the roof and into the pool <laughs> and you see the splat and then the, the, his reaction is like, I think I'm invincible, I can't die. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was funny. You know. Oh yeah, and that pool of blood, that was just, wow. Yeah. Went like it, a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Crow and Gosling, um, they both accepted the parts on the basis of working with each other. Um, oh, that's nice. So yeah, um, the film, you know, did have this kind of noir look, um, smoggy seventies look, which, you know, the cinematography I think really, really quite accomplished really well. Um, and to kind of go back to where the film kind of failed financially, I, and what's really unlucky with a film like this is that you know we we. I mean, we still are really in a decade. Well, we have just come out of a decade which has kind of been defined by the superhero blockbuster film. Um, very true. And it is it is a shame. It is a very very big shame that a film like this can't exist alongside this. You know, quite a few years ago, there was a conversation. I think it was between Spielberg and and Marvel enemy enemy number one Martin Scorsese, where they. Um, came out and said that you know they're going to see a future where you either see the big hundred million dollar blockbusters or you see the small independent films that cost next to nothing. There is literally going to be no in between. 
And I think a mm. film like Nice Guys is that in between where it costs, you know, 50 to 100 million dollars, but it doesn't make back its money. It's just kind of there. Um, the director, uh, James Gray, who directed Lost City of Z and Ad Astra, um, you know, makes these kind of mid budget Hollywood, you know, big Hollywood films. Um, you know, his kind of work is very much defined by they don't make their money, but they're very, very critically and well received and nice guys falls in that bracket in that it it didn't make back its money but everybody who you talk to that's seen it has something good to say about it I mean, the majority of people you know um and i think it is un unfortunate that you know because of that we're not going to see more films like that um especially in the big screen i mean films like this probably exist more uh, probably going to exist more on on you know the the straight to straight to streaming services like amazon or netflix or apple for example yeah um, i think i think we're coming to a point where we can't talk about straight to streaming because that that used to be quite a negative thing but now because of everything that's happened it's it becomes more and more normal to to get those and maybe less theatrical releases in the future yeah i mean we we, we, we i think we are yet to see the fallout of corona the corona pandemic on the entertainment industry on, on a level i don't think we've yet to see what the fallout is you know warner brothers you know pissed off everybody in the industry by announcing that they were going to release their films of 2021 alongside being on hbo max as well as cinema uh christopher nolan came out and said that you know filmmakers and writers and stars sign on to warner brothers expecting to be making films with the best movie studio in the world whereas in fact they're being made by the worst streaming service available um and then denis villeneuve has you know kicked off and it's just like i don't want my film dune to be shown at the cinema at the um, cinema same time as streaming um i think lana wachowski's came out and said that she's not happy with how the matrix 4 is going to be released in that kind of in this way um hang on, so hang on is there going to be a matrix 4 <laughs> yeah there's going to be a matrix 4 this year <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I'm not. Why did you? I, I, I've not seen any of that. Where have I been? The, the, the so we we don't know anything. We don't know anything about it. They've released like, uh, it's been like a behind the scenes like picture of like a helicopter flying in in I think it's like Melbourne or Sydney I think. Um, but other than that, there's there's literally there's been casting. That's quite news, exciting we, news. We Sorry. That's quite exciting news. I know a Matrix Four film, yeah. Is, it, is um, Keanu's going to be in it, right? Yeah, yeah. So Keanu, Keanu Carrie-Anne Moss are back. Um, Excellent. Lawrence Fishburne? I, sorry? Lawrence Fishburne? Um, not that I know of. I think they're going to go... Oh. I think they're bringing in... Um, I can't remember his name. I'm just going to have to look him up a second because... Joe Pantoliano. <sighs> no, he got sorry? killed, didn't he? The, the bad guy. I'm, I'm forgetting who, who got killed and who didn't. I need to revisit the three matrix matrix. Oh yeah, so um, Yaha Abdul Mateen, um, he is going to be uh, in uh, the Matrix Four, presumably as a young uh, Matrix, uh, not Matrix Morpheus. That's what kind of people think he's going to be. Ah. Um, but he's a very very good actor. I like him a lot. He was in uh, Watchmen, the HBO series Watchmen, and along with many mm. other things. He's in the new Candyman film as well. Um, so yeah anyway 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. But yeah, we, we these kind of films, I think you are right in that the straight-to-streaming thing is, is going to be where these films kind of belong. Um, which is which is kind of it's sad because nice guys look with it looks good on a big screen you know going to go see Ad Astra would be is amazing on the big screen going to go see Lost City Z is amazing on the big screen everything looks amazing on the big screen as long as it isn't directed by Zack Snyder um <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's next week what is wrong fine yeah that's next week okay that's next week that's whenever I get to rant about that um but yeah <laughs> Um, so Shane Black actually said in an interview with on Slash Film, this is before the film opened. So this is before the film opened, right? He said, "We know these characters so well. That's why it seems so effortless in my mind. The idea of continuing to do it, making the sequel, for instance, because we have all these stories and these scenes that we can use. It feels very familiar. This is sort of a tasting menu. This one of all the different types of scenes that this bring out these characters." Now you know who they are, and now you know how they react in situations. You have this little menu of all the different ordevours. Now I'd love to serve up another case for them. I'd love to write the sequel. Here's the problem: we've got to make money, so let's hope it opens. Mm. Um, and even after it opened, and on the kind of the with the word on whether it was gonna gonna do a sequel, this was um, you know he said. I think it's a little premature to consider a sequel. I don't believe in jinxes necessarily, but we really need people to see this one before we can even talk about that. We're up against some stiff superhero competition. We just need people to, you know, maybe see Captain America six times, but not the seventh and see us instead. Um, and that kind of really sums up where things are, you know, like people would rather go and see, you know, these, these big blockbusters i'm not singling out marvel here because i think it is a problem with all modern blockbusters in that they'd rather go see these films multiple times than rather taking a chance on something that's a bit smaller um and finding themselves pleasantly surprised by it so we'll, we'll see we'll see maybe maybe like uh, the success of a film like you know knives out you know which came out in in december 2019 you know that that did very very well in the box office and that is in that bracket of a mid-range budget Hollywood film. Hopefully there yeah, is... Yeah, but there... did you see the cast of that? Yeah, that's what I mean. But, like, this cast had a good cast. Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, you had the star of Gladiator, and Ryan Gosling, you know, was hot off the back of, you know, Drive, and um, uh, the Big Short came out the year before, you know, the year before. I can't remember the fucking hell Big Short came out. But, you know what it I mean? It was like, 2015. Yeah, so, like... Ryan Gosling, you know, he, you know, he's a drive, big short, crazy, stupid love. You know, he, he was in the fucking notebook. Everybody loves the notebook. I don't, but you know, like he, he is, he's a big name, but nobody went and saw it. And I, I remember I that... seeing the trailer and I would have probably gone to see it, but it just slipped through the net. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, like, I, I think I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, that's good pairing. Maybe that's a good film, but it just kind of... You know what I always compared it with? Because in my mind, it was I saw the trailer and it made me think of the other film that was actually not a very good film at all. The Other Guys. See, I kind of like The Other Guys, but that's just me. Um, I don't like Mark Wahlberg and I don't like Will, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, Marky Mark, yeah. Yeah, Marky Mark. 
I just don't like, and I, I, I don't know how I got to seeing that film and not this one, but it just, I think it was on television um, and I just watched it. And yeah, it's not a very good film. And this this is much better. And I wish I'd seen this one instead. But now I have. Yeah. So, yay. Yeah. I, I. You know, it is unfortunate. I mean, the box office kind of sums it up, really. I mean, in, in it's open weekend. It grossed eleven point three million. You know, it finished fourth in the boxes. Well, fourth, fourth on the box office behind the Angry Birds movie, which had thirty nine million dollars on its on Jesus. its weekend. Captain America: Civil War, which is thirty three point one million. Bearing in mind it was on its like third or fourth week. And Neighbours 2, yeah. which was 21.8 million, which is what it opened against. So it, it didn't do very well. Um, even though it opened in, 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 in a, a, it opened wide, wasn't a limited release or anything. But it's just, I think it's just one of those things that it, it just kind of fell through the cracks. But I think people do talk about it. People do want to see it. Like on Twitter every now and then someone will be like, nice guys, it's so good. And all the film Twitter people will be like, yeah, this, we want a sequel, and then it will die down for another few months. So we'll see. You know, never know. Maybe Amazon might pick it up for a sequel or something, and we might get something, but I'm not holding my breath. Yay, um, love Amazon. Sorry? Nothing. Our Lord, our, I said our, I love Amazon. Uh, yeah. Our overlord Amazon, yeah. Our lord, yeah. Our lord... So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm sorry. This week kind of turned into um, Nick talking about <laughs> modern blockbusters. No, you're not. Hashtag fine. sorry, not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I am I am sorry. Like you know, this week has kind of went into like me talking a lot about you know Hollywood and where things are at the moment. You know, like I said, it is kind of my it is like my thing. Um, but um, I'm hoping you know you found it at least a little bit interesting. It was. It was very funny. I love. I, I enjoyed both movies very much, and I'm glad I had a, a film that you hadn't seen, so I can show it to you and see. Like, watch this. You're gonna enjoy this, and you did. Yes, I did. I did. Good. Um, very good. And it's like it's not even the last comedy we've got on. We've we've got another week, haven't we? Where we're doing a comedy. Um, mm. You're the master of the schedules. I'm trying to think. Hang on. Let me have a look. What have you got on for next week, anyway? So next week, um, we are doing... Uh, I don't think you remember what we got on next week, do you? I don't. So next week, we are doing Wild Strawberries from 1957, <gasps> directed by Ingmar Bergman. You... Oh my god. Wow. That I can't believe week. you've not seen it. Well, I can't week. believe you've not seen Wild Strawberries. Um, I'm actually looking at my DVD copy right now, so... Um, and we are watching that alongside um, It's Such a View... Uh, I'm repeat that. It's Such a Beautiful Day from 2012, directed by Dom Hertzfeld. Um, a very, very I don't even know what film. to expect. Yeah. Um, but we, we kind of um, went... What, what, what did we say? It was like contemplating life. Was that the kind of... Yeah, I that, think that's where the sort of theme I gave you, contemplating it, life yeah. and mortality and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, for those that have seen It's Such a Beautiful Day, you'll you'll kind of, you will twig and be like, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be prepared for that. That's going to be going to be an interesting one next week, I, I, I think. Um, and then we, you know, we have got comedy. Actually, we've got a couple of comedies coming up after that. We've got one after the week after... Um, 
our season finale is a comedy, and we've got another one um, where we're we don't doing... give everything away now. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I hope, I hope everyone joins in, join us for that. Um, cool. So Danny, uh, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kino Joan, and my website is kinojoan.co.uk. And you can find me on the internet at Nick S. Chandler on Twitter, and my website is superatomicvision.com. Um, our Twitter, pub podcast Twitter, is at Kinotomic. Drop us an email on uh, Gmail at Kinotomic um, at gmail.com. Um, what do we want to find out from our listeners this week? Um, what are you looking for when the lockdown is over in terms of movie, movie viewing? Yeah, yeah. Is there is there anything on the schedule that you know of that you want to go see in the cinema when it comes when it starts off again um you know i do joke about you know gonna go see zach Snyder's justice league in the cinema but i think maybe you know seeing something as you know meant for the big screen like that you know yeah i think you're yeah. gonna go see it i'm sure you will yeah and i'm gonna hate every minute of it <sighs> anyway <laughs> on that Poor note you. On that, that note, note. Um, thank everybody. Um, thank you for listening. Um, it's a goodbye from me. Thank you for listening, and it's a goodbye and a thank you from me. Bye.